0: I ain't gon' stop till I get it I put my blood in my sweat and my tears in this Had to show no emotion when no one took me serious I, bet it, me. I bet it all on me I had to bet it all on me I had to bet it all on me I had to bet it all I had to bet it all I don't know if I'ma ever make it out Don't know if I can make it out with this amount I was feeling down, I had my doubts. How can I reach a quarter million from this couch? Yeah, yeah. Ain't no one for me to look up to for guidance. I've been rolling up and cooking up in silence. Ain't had the time, cause I've been getting to that bag. Not too gifted with my views, but I've been gifted with my craft. Yeah, yeah. Too busy, I've been too busy. I've been grinding as a new kid in every new city. I've been here, I've been there. I ain't been no fucking where. Cause the places that I've been just ain't enough. Hey, that's like my jam. That's been like a vibe for me for like the past couple of weeks when I first heard it. But um, shout out to um both Jay Gats and Red Shades for that collaboration. I really, really love that track. Um, anyways, welcome to yet another episode of This Can't Be Life. It is your girl, the one and only, Kay the Rebel. Uh, this is episode 70. If this is your first time listening. Or your first time here, you can find me on social media Instagram only, TCBL Podcast. That is the podcast page, and then my personal page is at K The Rebel. If you need to email me, uh, the email is this can't single letter B L Y F E at gmail.com. Um, I guess I'll just get right into like my hot topics of the week Because it is kind of late and I wasn't going to record because I just kind of wasn't in the mental space But you know what? I got to stop doing that. There's no need need to do that stick to the schedule program But as far as hot topics um, It was really Kind of put me at peace to like be able to read and see that um, the Bryant family, you know, were able to lay both Kobe and Gianna um, to rest in a private ceremony. And I'm very glad that they did it private. It, you know, just people are just not genuine anymore. And with all the rude and nasty things that have happened or things that people have said, you know, they just needed to only make sure that, that moment was sacred, you know, to see, see both of those angels off. They really didn't need to be around anybody that didn't really serve either of them any good, whether they were here on earth or now that they're in heaven. Um, and the next topic, which is a segue um, regarding Kobe Bryant, and I know I may be a little bit late, but I kinda wanna talk about this from a different perspective. But we all know about Gail King and her trash ass fucking remarks that she had in that um, interview with, oh my God, is it Lisa Leslie? I could be fucking the name up. I am so sorry. Look, it's late. I'm kind of tired. Anyways, um there was a gentleman that I think I saw on either the Shade Room or Ball Alert. It was a long video, probably like eight minutes long and most people just skip over it but i was bored at work so i watched the whole thing i tried to google what the hell his name was and the shade room or blah lot they posted so much stuff that i got annoyed and i couldn't even go back to the original post anyhow the point that i need to try to make is As I watched him, the man was on Instagram saying how the black community kind of needs to relax with this whole cancel culture thing. And I guess that was because we were all saying that Gayle King, as well as her homie uh, Oprah were canceled. And I just have a rebuttal for uh, his argument that, you know, the black community needs to chill out with the cancel culture. Um, No, my friend. I do believe um, or support the whole idea or movement about black people needing to stick together but i do feel that gail and oprah have been imposters for years they act like they're for the black community but then they engage in coonery and uncle tom antics quite often and um motherfuckers need to be held accountable at this point you know gail and her raggedy ass wigs as well as oprah's ass They have this huge platform, and I just feel that the resources that they have to uplift and empower those within the black community, you know, that's what they need to be doing. Now, this guy, when he went on his rant, he's like, oh, he knows that Gail's done this for black people, and he was just naming, I guess, all these accolades or whatever, and in my humble opinion, I'm just thinking, I don't give a fuck if she helped 5,000 or 500,000 black people figuratively in the community. The moment that you shame one of us, it discredits anything you've ever did before. I'm sorry. So with that being said, this cancel culture needs to continue, okay? We can't let these people with all this money and and, and these platforms and all these resources they have, use it to try to tear us little people down or even big people down. There's no need for that. Or to even try to tear somebody down when they're no longer here to defend themselves. What kind of fucking shit is that? Like, I'm sorry. I I know that a lot of people are talking about, oh, we need to protect Um, You know, uh, the black woman, and I see that meme keep going around where Malcolm X says that, you know, the most unprotected person in America is the black woman. Okay, that's fine. It's Black History Month, but fuck her ass. Seriously, I I don't care about all that. She is fucking canceled, and if I remembered or knew this guy's name, dear such-and-such... The cancel culture will continue whenever somebody is doing some unnecessary bullshit like this raggedy bitch. She's fucking canceled. She's canceled, and so is fucking Oprah by default. Oprah's been canceled. I was never a fan of her anyways, but I'm not even going to get into that. Um, That's enough for hot topics. So, tonight, um, I really wanted to talk about... um, people finding themselves and what inspired this episode I know y'all probably annoyed with me by now but what inspired this episode was yet another one of my self-directed journals and the question was what was I most proud of in my life presently and I wrote finding myself For those that have been rocking with me for a very long time on episode 13 i know that's so long ago right channel your focus i remember telling you guys that i felt like i didn't find myself until i moved to arizona in 2010 and i want to retract that statement i want i want to do that today and i just want to say that finding myself the, the true process of it, I think in 2010 is when I started to get to really know myself. I learned to be comfortable in my own skin, but there was still a lot of self-doubt there. As I reflect back on it, you know, hindsight, I don't think I truly began the work and the process of finding myself until 2012. It was a struggle for me. I mean, and the process, to be truthful, was not completed until 2018. I'm gonna say that, I'm gonna be real and say that. I um, mean, look, it's 2020, so that was only, what, two years ago. Um, but I swore the journey was completed so many times during those six years. I mean, like, I used to be truly confident that I had found myself and was truly secure in everything that I had going on mentally, emotionally, spiritually. But when I went to therapy, that's when I had to get checked, like, mm, maybe you don't know. Um, And I think what made me struggle so much with finding myself was because i had no idea that i had unresolved trauma triggers and nor did i know the extent of accountability and what i mean by by that is that my unresolved trauma and my triggers were kind of all connected And those, the way in which they all tied in with each other, I don't think I, I was accountable for for maybe my role in in some of those things. I think, you know, the triggers that I was unable to identify, I had taken, like, plenty of psychology courses, like, in high school, college level, but I never really took the information and applied it to my own life. So I can just basically say hands full that I was ignorant to like triggers and like what they really meant to a person. You know, all I really knew was the the textbook definition, but I never really thought about how it could apply to my own life. Um, in all honesty not just for me, but for everyone, our triggers are definitely a result of our unresolved traumas. And I had so many painful experiences that I felt I had moved forward. And I guess I coped with things by just erasing people from my rear view. Like images of them would just kind of fade over time, the good stuff and the bad. I just figured like if you're focused on what's in front of you and you consume yourself with just that then why the hell would you even look back which is I think something that I had said I've said that before on I believe the ghosting episode when I talked about you know when people have ghosted you you know or whatever and you never got closure that that's something that you should do and it's funny because what I love about this whole podcast and thing is that when you get like this many episodes and you can really look at, you know, your growth over time. And that was my perspective that day, you know, many, many episodes ago. And it's funny that today, sitting here, my perspective has changed. I've lived some more. I've learned some more. Um, But back to my point about um, me back then always focusing on what was in front of me and consuming myself with the present and not looking back. I would just kinda control all and delete people pretty much. And and it came easy for me. I, I would do it was it was a coping mechanism. It was something that I did and it was just it was human nature for me. So about that accountability piece that I was just talking about and my therapy sessions, it was kinda all about my traumatic experiences. And although I erased individuals, I never erased how they made me feel. So when my therapist would make me relive some of those moments, and I would be like telling her the story or the 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 sequence of events, of course, um, from my perspective, um, she would always interrupt me and ask. Well, why didn't you do this, or why didn't you do that, or X, Y, or Z differently? And I would be like, um, excuse me, why the hell are you even asking me that? Like, what could I have done differently? Like, did you not just hear what I said that they did to me? Like, they wronged me. What the hell are you talking about? What could I have done differently? And it's crazy because I sat in front of that woman and it took session after session after session for me to finally realize, a light bulb finally, you know, came on in this brain of mine's look, what role I played in each of my traumas. Not everybody who hurt me was a bad person or trash. I mean, like, who was I to even take, the bad experience I had with them and paint an image of their character. And basically, I guess, kind of control the narrative. Um, You know, who the hell, like, yeah, who was I to to say that about them when, you know, I didn't know who I was at that time. So what would make me possibly think that maybe those people were also struggling with who they were as well, which is why they made certain mistakes and I just happened to be victim or fall prey to them not knowing who they were either. So finding myself, you know, during I would say that that journey of finding myself within those six years, I'm going to just say this again, between 2012 to, to 2018, it was just like I was always kind of on the right track but getting on the wrong train and I finally have gotten on the right train and it feels great and I definitely have therapy to thank for that in all honesty um, but obstacles that like I faced while I was trying to find myself is the two biggest obstacles I would say is that I have moments where I allowed other people to kind of get in my head. They either attacked me for who I was, or they would try to change me. And it was really all for their benefit. Like, when you don't know who you are, it makes it easy for others to prey on you. I mean, technically, in those moments that you don't know who who you are, like, you are weak, period. You just are. And you can't fend for yourself in a room full of vultures if you don't know yourself. I mean, and this is just just me s- speaking in general. I don't really mean like, oh, you're in a room full of vultures for anybody that's listening and being too technical. But just saying like if you're just around those kind of people, they'll, they'll eat you alive. And, you know, not knowing who you are essentially impacts your relationships with other people. And once you really do the work, as my girl Eyan Zant says, I mean, you get so super focused on finding yourself that the number of people in your life usually will decrease because many people are going to reject the new you. They're going to hit you with the old oh, you changed You know what? You don't listen to their ass. They need to either get on board with the new you and the whole process of you finding yourself or they can step the fuck off. Politely, that is. Just go on somewhere, go on down the road. And while you're in the process of trying to find yourself and you haven't figured out who you are, I feel like it's normal for you to develop toxic traits along the way. Like when you don't know who you are, people who have found themselves will kind of look at you like what the fuck, like what is this, what, what is happening? And now that I am on the other side of the fence, I myself be looking at some people like okay, you're definitely in the middle of an identity crisis. And I don't judge these people, I really try not to, as I know the struggle, but you know, when you are interacting with somebody that has not found themselves, you can only really do that minimally because I know for me, I get annoyed. And it's because it's hard having like an in-depth conversation with anyone who not only doesn't know who they are, but that they're not even aware that they're having an identity crisis. Like, you can't have an in-depth convo with someone who's shallow, period. Like, it's just not, it's not possible. And I also feel that once you get a certain age, not knowing who you are, makes you so, like, unattractive and not appealing to people because you're just a ball of confusion. Um. For instance, or example, like, I know someone who acts, like, super depressed when I talk to them. But then they'll be, like, on social media acting like they have it all together. And it's like, can you just not? Please, just stop it. Please. And then... There are some women who feel like they have to like check in with their partners who aren't their husbands. And I just be confused because it's like, okay, there's women who have not found themselves and then they get married and then their marriage becomes their identity. And that's kind of disgusting and gross too. But you know, it's happening. Again, I'm not trying to diss people. The the journey and for me to get here and to know who I am, it was a long, tough one. So who am I to take for somebody else who's struggling with it? But it's just, um, yeah, these are just examples. And now that, again, like I said, I'm on the other side of the fence. It's just like I'm looking at these people like, okay. And then I also, like, be thinking, shit, were people looking at me this way when I didn't know what the hell I was doing or what was going on? But anyways, um, some other examples are, um, you know those people who feel like they have to consult with like 5,000 people about like a problem that they're having or a decision that they're making? Like that shows signs of someone who doesn't know who they are or in the middle of an identity crisis. The fact that, and, and those people, Actually, they're some of my favorites because they usually waste everybody's time anyway because they're going to do what they want to do anyways, which is most likely something stupid. But yet they got to go through all these different channels or people to have a consensus on what they should do. But half the time, they're going to do what they want to do anyways. And it's usually something silly or something they're going to regret. And then it's usually the friend that has found themselves or is not in the middle of the identity crisis that'll be looking like okay I told you I told you so um all in all you know if you are in the middle of an identity crisis or you know someone who is here are some words of advice and or um encouragement um you're not alone like It's okay to admit if you're just winging shit currently and you have not begun your journey to finding yourself. It's also okay if you make an attempt and then you realize you're just not there yet. That's okay too. I think you need to be open and honest with yourself about what you're struggling with. You need to appreciate the parts of yourself that you Do understand in the parts of yourself that you have accepted. Self-love always has to be at the forefront. Like, it's key when you're trying to find yourself. You definitely just should be you at all times, whatever that may be. Like, whatever makes you feel good, whatever feeds your soul, be that, do that on this road to or journey to finding yourself, you're also gonna have to learn to find comfort in uncomfortable situations. You need to embrace change because, I mean, that's just always gonna be constant. And also know that the beauty of finding yourself is that you can reinvent yourself every now and again. And that's because no one ever truly stays the same. As you continue living, as you continue growing, the more experiences you have, the more lessons you learn, the more wise you could become, it's all going to kind of, those changes are just going to happen naturally for you. But even while you're going through those changes, your vision will always be very clear and you will have clarity at all times. So yeah, I wish anyone well and much success on their journey to finding themselves if they haven't. And before I end this episode, I guess my word for this week is going to be when you Go through something with somebody. Sometimes when you're going to maybe vent to the next person about it, stop trying to control the narrative. You have your own perspective. Maybe you feel however you feel, but telling the story Only from your perspective or telling the story where you're only talking about what the other person may have done. Just so whoever's listening to you can get on board with maybe co-signing to how you're feeling about the other person because you're painting this picture of the other person. Stop it. It's, it's terrible. It's not only toxic, but it's a little bit manipulative to a certain degree. And you can't do that. And we can flip this. And also, when someone comes to you and they're venting about a situation, I don't care how much you love the person and you want to ride for them, sometimes with maturity, we can't co-sign to certain bullshit. And when that person is controlling the narrative, you need to really not get caught up in that and ask some questions about the other person and their role. And you'll know if it's Cap, you'll know. You know, if somebody doesn't want to admit to what their role is in it. But yeah, some of you guys need to really chill with trying to control the narrative or paint pictures about people. Um. Cause it's 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 unfair, um, and it's just not cool. Well, uh, that concludes this week's episode. I thank you all for listening, supporting, and until next time, be safe, be real, and I don't know what else. <laughs> good night.